Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, can I just add my um, welcome to that of Sophie? It's uh, good to be with you again this morning. And we turn to our Bible reading, which is taken from Mark chapter 10, reading from verse 1. Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him, and as was his custom, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you? He replied. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because of your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning again and uh, welcome. Uh, We've come to, uh, in our studies of Mark's Gospel to chapter 10, where Jesus deals with the question about divorce. And as he does that, he also instructs us on the nature of marriage. Um, And I want to say a couple of things right from the beginning. Number one is that you may be listening in here and not a Christian and are thinking this reading just sounds a bit um, dated, a bit archaic. What's this got to do with me in the 21st century? Well, please, can I encourage you to continue to to listen in? Uh, And if you want to find out more about what it means to be a Christian, please go to the I'm New section of the church website. Uh, number two, the thing I want to say is that you may have been or are being uh, affected by a difficult marriage. You may be struggling in your marriage. You may have been divorced. You may have been remarried. Now, there's lots of emotions, of course, attached to this subject. There'll be perhaps emotions of sadness, of guilt, of frustration, of disappointment, of anger or, or worry or concern. And of course, I cannot say um, everything about every situation um, this morning. But we do have a a pastoral team who would love to hear from you, love to help you and pray with you. Um, So please do email uh, the pastoral hub and we'll seek to help you in any way that we can. Finally, the third thing I want to say up front is that you may be single. And you may be wondering, what's this got to do with me today? I might as well just switch off. Well, please don't do that either, because we all have uh, a responsibility uh, to understand um, what marriage and divorce is all about. With those um, thoughts in place, let me just pray. God, our Father, we thank you this morning that we can meet um, virtually. And we pray, Father, as we look at your word and what Jesus has said, you will please help us to understand it. May the Spirit, may Holy Spirit guide us and help us to understand, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So with our Bibles open in front of us, we turn to Mark chapter 10 and verse 1. And Mark um, begins here with Jesus uh, on his way to Jerusalem. The crowds are still coming to him. And Mark tells us that he taught them. Yes, he has been doing healings. He's been doing miracles. He's been doing wonderful things. Um, But Jesus throughout wanted to teach them. And he wanted to teach them that the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. That was his very purpose uh, right from the beginning, from chapter 1. You see, Jesus didn't just come to sort of tickle the ears of those crowds or to tell the people to, to somehow live a good life. No, he came to say to us that you need to do a U-turn That's what repentance means. And you need to believe in the good news that is found in me, in Jesus. If we hear and understand who Jesus is, turn and believe this glorious good news, there is forgiveness, there is healing, there is freedom, there is eternal life, there is joy, there is peace with God. And if you've never um, done that and never experienced that, then please get in touch with us. We'd love to help you with that. Nothing is more important than that. So the crowds come, but the Pharisees come too here. They want to test Jesus. They weren't genuine seekers at all. They'd been trying to catch out Jesus for a very long time. I've done a bit of teaching um, in the past, and uh, I, I remember that you get the odd student who wants to try and ask awkward questions, just really to try and catch you out and to try and make you look a bit stupid. That's the, the Pharisees' approach here, and it can, can actually easily be our approach. The Pharisees come with their own agenda, which is to try and pin something on Jesus so that they can arrest him and eventually um, kill him. But the question that they ask, verse 2, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Now, we need to understand there's a lot of background to this question. In Jesus' day, there were two views. One view was a very liberal view that you could divorce for for any reason, uh, and there was a far stricter um, view And the Pharisees wanted to see which way would Jesus go. But Jesus knows what's going on here. And he replies with his own question. Verse 3. What did Moses command you? Jesus, of course, you see, is doing the right thing. He's pointing them back to the Bible to get the answer. So they respond. Verse 4. Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. Now, we need to see what's going on here. Um, uh, There's a sense that as long as I have the correct form filled out, uh, then I can get the divorce that I want. But what we need to understand here about um, uh, what Moses said is that he didn't give this um, in order to make divorce um, easy. No, he gave this in order to, to regularize and control the kind of ensuing chaos that was resulting from men coming along saying that they wanted to get divorced for any kind of strange reason or or saying things like, you know, um, my wife has burned the dinner, I've had it with her, um, she's failed me again, I I want out. And Jesus comes along 
in verse 5 and says this, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. You see, this, this was permitted only because they didn't accept the nature of love within the framework of marriage that God had intended from the very beginning. Their main interest, you see, was seeing how far they could kind of bend the law and get round it. Now, we need to understand that these certificates were to prevent divorce, not to give permission for it, not to kind of make it easy, as long as you could kind of get the right chit from the borough council so, if, you know, coming along and saying, well, you know, if, if we could just get this signed off, then we can get out the door on our way to the next adventure with the next somebody. And actually, when we think about it, this all sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Isn't that the drive behind the new law that's come into force recently? Because we just want to move on, we want to move on with my life so I can do what I want. Now, see what Jesus does here. It's brilliant. He doesn't get embroiled in the valid or invalid nature of these certificates. He actually shifts us back to first principles. He wants to say to us, look, let me take you back to to why marriage was created in the first place. So in verse 5, he quotes Genesis 1. He says, so God made them male and female. And then Genesis 2, he says, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. He's saying, let's go back to basics. Uh, Marriage is not some sort of human invention, a social construct, or a cultural convention. No, no, no. This is a created thing. At the very beginning of time, God made man and woman, and he established things that were meant to be. And Jesus affirms what is plain. Jesus added verse 9, the end of verse 9, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Four really quick things that are plain about marriage from the Bible. Number one, marriage is exclusive. It's exclusive. We say in the marriage service, forsaking all others. It involves a man and a woman. It is heterosexual. It is not same sex. Number two, marriage is disruptive. Yes, there's a a leaving the mother and father, the, the, the household in which you were. And sometimes, actually, some of the problems that happen in relationships is there's never been a leaving. Number three, marriage is permanent, as we say in the service, until death us do part. And sometimes um, couples will ask me, um, can, can we write our own vows? And I'd like to express how I feel about um, him or her. And, of course, that's a, that's a nice thing to want to do. But the answer is actually no. And for this reason, this is a, a public declaration, um, not about actually how you feel right now about the other person, but it's about what you feel or will, you will do in the future. 
So, you know, will you love her? Will you honor her, protect her, and forsaking all others? Will you? Will you do that? You know, it's that kind of thing. Will you, in 40 years' time, when she's wrinkled, she's blotchy, she's gone gray, and she's got bunions on her feet, will you still love her then? When she's bed-bound and maybe feeding out of a spoon? I'm not interested in what um, makes your heart go tickety-boom-boom, tickety-boom-boom. No, I'm interested in your promise. Will your promise last? Fourthly, marriage is sexual. The one flesh. Oneness. Uh, Sex is the physical sign of the oneness that happens socially, uh, economically, um, psychologically, financially, all those things. It's a, a oneness. So marriage is these things. It's exclusive, it's disruptive, it's permanent, and it's sexual. And Jesus affirms all these and says in verse 9, Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Jesus, you see, takes us straight back to the principles of marriage in this question. And I'd love to to say more about all of these, but we need to move on to the question that's actually posed by the Pharisees, which is, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Verse 10, he answered, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. Now, before we move too quickly on to possible exceptions, we must note, really, the simplicity and the clarity of the way that Jesus um, speaks here. The Bible is actually full of, of, of clarity like this. Malachi chapter 2, verse 16, tells us that God hates divorce. Now, he hates it not because of its process, but he hates it because of the sinful causes and the consequences that it has on people's lives. Now, in going back to first principles on marriage, Jesus is helping us to see the importance of marriage as God originally designed it, and therefore we shouldn't start our thinking around how we can dismantle it in according according to our own um, desires. Now, with that said, we interpret Scripture with Scripture. And that's why we go to Matthew chapter 19. And in that parallel account of Matthew, uh, Matthew makes explicit something which Mark simply assumes. Matthew 19 verse 9 says... Jesus speaking, I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, and here's the exception clause, except for sexual immorality and marries another woman, commits adultery. Now, the reason Mark leaves it out was it was widely accepted. People just knew. People knew it was permissible to divorce on, that, on those grounds. Now, we have a good example of this in the Bible in the story of Christmas, the Nativity, When Joseph found Mary was pregnant, what does it say? It says that he had it in mind to divorce her quietly because he knew what he thought he knew what had happened. So you see, Matthew makes clear what Mark assumes, that divorce was permitted for sexual 
immorality. Now, why? Well, clearly, the one flesh union has been um, violated. Mark 10, verse 9. What God has joined together, let no one separate. The permanent, lifelong, heterosexual, monogamous companionship has been violated. But it's important for us to note, just because something is permitted doesn't make it prescribed. So when something goes wrong in in a marriage, our first concern should actually be um, for repentance, for forgiveness, for reconciliation. It should be with grace and with, with prayer. Because it is permitted doesn't mean that it is mandated. Do you understand? Yes, the path to, to restoration may be really difficult. It may be really hard. But actually, that's our first concern. Now, in the New Testament, there is one other exception. Paul speaks of it in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where he talks about the desertion of an unbelieving spouse in marriage. The context there in Corinth appears to be when someone has become a Christian and their spouse seems to resent, uh, resent this and wants out. Uh, and perhaps we can imagine what that might be like, saying something like, you know, you, you used to be like this, you used to do that. And uh, since you started going to that church and hanging out with those people, you've changed All this singing of in Christ alone my hope is found and and all this singing about knowing Jesus in a personal, relational um, way, that there is no greater thing. Well, I've had it. I'm leaving. You can imagine that kind of conversation even today. Paul says there's not much a believing spouse can do. But it's important to note that, that they're not to be the initiator in the separation. But if there's nothing you can do, you may, be allow, uh, you may uh, allow the unbelieving spouse to go, leaving the offended against the believer free to remarry. So you see, we have this categorical statement um, from Jesus. You have an exception in relation to sexual immorality, and you have an exception for desertion by an unbeliever. Now, you might be um, listening and watching this, and you may not agree with um, what I've just said. And in a sense, my concern is not um, that you agree with me. Um, My concern is that you go back to the Bible, um, you study it, and you come to understand uh, what Jesus is saying and what the Bible is saying about marriage and divorce, so that we may grow deeper in our discipleship, because that's what we are all about. I've spent a lot of time thinking and praying these things through and taken time to speak very clearly, I hope, to you. It's, it is my belief that Jesus is saying here that when any, whenever someone divorces his wife or a wife divorces her husband without biblical grounds, of which there are two, then to remarry is an act of adultery. We kind of need to take a deep breath there, don't we? A deep breath. Of course, there are loads of pastoral questions around this, pastoral considerations that need to be dealt with sensitively. And it's impossible for me to do this in a kind of 20-ish minute 
um, sermon. I've also um, not talked about if you are in an abusive marriage. If that is you, if you're in an abusive marriage, please, please do seek help from the police authorities or go to one of the helplines which you can find on our safeguarding page of the website. No one should stay in an abusive situation. Now, I'm convinced um, that actually one of the the reasons we have the story of the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8 is actually to prevent us from an overzealous uh, application of the marriage principles here. You see, Jesus helps us to see in that story just how vulnerable we all are. We're all vulnerable. He said, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And as his words sank in, what happens? The the Pharisees, they they begin to, to go away one at a time. Jesus then gets up and he asks the woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Go. Go now and leave your life of sin. In other words, what's he saying? He's saying, repent. Believe the good news. I am the king. Go and sin no more. I can forgive you. I can restore you. I can bring you everlasting joy and eternal life and peace with God. Jesus is clear, isn't he? And straightforward about truth about the woman's activity, but he's equally straightforward to those of us who would think that we stand apart because we all know we all fall and fail. Before we end, there's one, um, of one thing that um, I think is most difficult for us to, to think through. Imagine um, a, a second marriage begins in adultery where there's no biblical grounds for the divorce previously. Does that mean that this marriage now and always must be regarded as an an ongoing adulterous marriage? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so for this reason. The fact that to marry was to commit adultery is not the same as saying that renders that marriage uh, invalid ad infinitum, forever. Because it is a marriage. It's now become a marriage. It is now an exclusive, permanent, uh, monogamous relationship between a man and a woman. And just as a, a number of first marriages are such that they probably should never have been made... But once made, they should be honoured and and upheld. Well, in the same way, with the second marriage involving a person who's been divorced for reasons not permitted in Scripture, though the second uh, marriage should not have formed, it has formed, and therefore it should be honoured by the couple, of course, uh, firstly, and yes, also be upheld and respected 
by the community of faith and should be done without fear and without judgment. Why do I say this? Well, because, well, because all of us discover that we have done or we are doing things we ought not to have done, that we have done things we didn't even realize at the time were wrong or sinful. Yet suddenly, as we go deeper in our discipleship, we realize, oh my goodness, I shouldn't have done that, or I shouldn't be doing this thing now. So what will we do? Well, we always come back to what Jesus called, his primary call, which was to repent, to turn to him, to confess our sins to God, to seek forgiveness, to be restored in the name of Jesus, and to be set free from sin. And that means be set free from guilt and condemnation. There are, you see, many decisions in life that all of us make that we should or should not have done and made. Many have brought experiences and consequences that simply cannot be undone. Uh, What do we do? We can only turn back to God and trust him and trust in his son. Take his son's word. Neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. A wonderful um, promise to us that forgiveness is always on offer. There are always second, third, fourth, fifth chances when we turn back to Jesus. And if you are on the verge of some of these issues, perhaps you're struggling, perhaps you're thinking about leaving your spouse or you're tempted to another to... to, um, to go and after another woman or another man. Maybe you're playing with these thoughts in your mind. Well, what can I say to you? I say to you to run, run fast as you can into the arms of Jesus. Run to safety. Run to the one who can give you forgiveness, the one who can restore you, the one who can love you, the one who can give you joy and peace forever. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we come before you now with this most challenging of passages from your word. Um, Please help us all to apply this to our lives, to apply it to our church by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray especially for those who are affected uh, by uh, marriage or, or, or divorce or relational difficulties. We pray for those who hurt, those who are angry, or those who are sad or disappointed. Please, um, Father, may they know your love. May they know your grace, your goodness. May they know the good news of Jesus, that forgiveness is found in Christ Jesus. And now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.